0: Hello and welcome to the Quacked Out Podcast Pac-12 back-to-back Pac-12 Champions Edition. I um, am your host. Back. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm your host, Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingler through Squallcrest. Uh, the Ducks got a big 31-24 win over the USC Trojans in the LA Coliseum. Um, we are recording this, what day is it? Sunday night. So a couple days after the game, but we wanted to get some time to gather our thoughts a little more and then see which uh, bowl game we were headed to before we record this. So, read just some general thoughts on the game.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it was just an awesome game, really. Um, one thing you know that I kind of thought was fun about it was this season. I think we really haven't gotten a good rewatch game yet. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a guy that always loves to watch full replays, um, in the off season and stuff. And we really hadn't had a game that was, um, a great one. We had a few good ones last season. So this one felt like, you know, watching it live, I was just like, I know, especially after we won, obviously I know I'm going to watch this game. Like, you know, probably 10 more times over the course of this next year. Um, True. so it was, it was just an awesome game. Uh, really proud of how our team performed. It felt like, you know, a lot of the same stuff that we did against Utah last year, um, a little different opponent, different circumstances, but um, just to be tested, to have kind of disrespect on the team thrown at them this week, um, some tough circumstances and really from from opening snap from that Lenore pick, it was like this, this is on. Um, We're going to give USC everything they can handle.
0: And really, I mean, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you agree with me when I say that this could have been a much bigger win for the Ducks. That was kind of what, like, that was kind of my line of thinking, especially towards the end of the game. Was, like, it became one of those wins where, or it became one of those games where, like, when USC had the ball driving late, I was sort of like, okay, we're either going to lose and I'll be extremely disappointed or we're barely going to hang on for the win. And I'll still be a little bit disappointed. But honestly, like, with the Jamal Hill pick at the end, that was a very satisfying, like... I mean, I know that wasn't the very end of the game, but that was a very... That kind of was when it was over, and that was a very satisfying way to sort of finish things off. Um, Because I don't know about you, but on that final USC drive, I had completely accepted victory already. I, I was not going to entertain any idea of a comeback. So... yeah long drive down the field
1: i don't know i mean i'm a i definitely don't like to jinx it um i was watching with my dad and as soon as the as soon as the jamal hill pick happened he was like oh it's over it's over yeah they won and i was like i mean we're in a really good spot but i'm not gonna you know tempt the football gods and and say (laughs) it's over right now um but yeah, like you said, I mean, I think it could have been bigger, but we talked about it during the week. This was a game that, you know, it, it didn't really matter how it looked. Oregon just needed to get it done. Obviously, mm-hmm. the defense was huge. D-line, cornerbacks all around. I mean, guys stepped up on that defense. The offense struggled a little bit. Um, we'll get more into that later. I think that, um, you know, they finished with 31, and, and that's not too far off what we expected. But uh the way they got it wasn't that impressive. It was a lot of short fields that the defense set up um but you know, they capitalized when they need to. uh yeah, I also think I mean the big narrative of this game was that it was you know it just became so much more than it um you know had to be from the ducks perspective, I think because USC's been you know creating this whole whole narrative for like nine months about, take back the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is their chance to really gain, take back that recruiting momentum from us, make people feel like SC is the program to be at. Um, and <laughs> so they they made this into the game that they were like, you know, I mean, I think literally uh, Tyler Vons or whatever said, we can't lose to, this, to these guys. We're not going to lose. Like enough said there, you know, we can't even entertain that. Um, and so it was a big deal and they were ready to create this whole narrative, even though it was against kind of a underperforming ducks team, a young ducks team, they wanted to make this into, you know, their defining game that started this whole momentum. And the fact that even in this challenging year, we were able to hold firm and get this back-to-back title just felt huge to me.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, this was a statement from a not not just from an onfield <clears throat> excuse me, on field perspective in terms of people not respecting us, saying we shouldn't be there, saying that we didn't even win our division, like, okay, screw you, we we're gonna win the whole thing anyways. Um, it from a like program and conference wide perspective, we're still on top. And that yeah, I mean, that's worth everything right now, even in this weird season. Um, and like you said, it just keeps building momentum for us, and it doesn't let anybody else have a say. So, <laughs> no matter what it means in the national percep in the national perception of the conference in terms of like, oh, the Pac-12 is trash. You let like a three and two team win your conference. Like, who cares? I don't. I don't really care about the public perception of the Pac-12. People will respect us if we're good enough. So,
1: I mean, yeah, I think that. I mean, that's what it's about for me. Like you said, it's really just about. How can we make this program function at the highest level possible? And if we're doing that, then the national respect will follow. And that starts with dominating our footprint, our conference. And a key to that was, you know, winning this game. Because once you win this, once you have that trophy, they can say whatever they want. You know, they don't get to take a picture next to two Pac-12 trophies. And that gives us all the ammunition we could need in recruiting for this whole off season going forward. Plus we get to be featured in a fiesta bowl, um, you know, which brings more eyes to the program, makes Mm -hmm. kids feel like this is, you know, big level football more and more. So that was big. Um, I thought one thing,
0: most importantly, real quick, it wins us Twitter arguments.
1: Most importantly, right?
0: Yeah. We need to, we need to keep things in perspective here. (laughs) Yeah. Get your priorities straight.
1: I thought it was interesting too. Um, you know, you talk about recruiting um, storylines in terms of what's going to happen after this game, what recruiting battles could be won going forward, but recruiting really mattered a lot within the game. Um, for mm-hmm. USC, they had Talano Hufunga and Drake Jackson, are two guys who Oregon targeted, Hufunga was, is from Oregon. Um, you know, we let those guys out of the state and they had a big impact on that game for the Trojans. Uh, There was
0: that fantastic, just an all-time Mark Helfrich quote on the broadcast. I don't know. (laughs) I I didn't catch it the first time, but I saw um, people typing it on Twitter. That (laughs) Like, oh, why why didn't, how'd you let him leave the state? Well, that's why I'm here. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that was so good. Um, Pretty much
0: sums it up. But yeah. yeah.
1: And then on the other side, I mean, obviously it's like, Kayvon, Lenore, Mikhail Wright, like those are guys that USC felt like they should have had and they were huge in this game for Oregon. So uh, I think it, you know, underlined that those battles matter and you you just look, you know, how much more could we have won this game by if you plucked Hufunga and Drake Jackson from their side and put them on the ducks, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously that's huge. and, And likewise, if they'd kept Kayvon, uh and mikhail home or lenore home you know they probably win that game i mean literally if you look mm-hmm. at the performance cave had you know i don't think we win that game without him so
0: no um, i mean that's i don't even think we really need to do a player's mvp section or player mvp's section because i mean anyone watching that game knows who the best player on the field was uh on offense or defense and that was cave um I think yeah, it was, what, 12 QB pressures during the entire game?
1: Yeah, it was I, it was really just a beautiful showing by him. And after so much talk this season about, oh, has Kayvon reg- regressed? All those people in Seattle saying, oh, ZTF is the best D-lineman. You know, USC talking about Drake Jackson and everything. I mean, Kayvon looked like the best player in the conference last night um, and mm-hmm. one of the best players in the country.
0: Yeah. I agree. And I mean, <clears throat> not to mention he was getting doubled still all the time. I mean, getting held all the time. I could I lost count of how many missed holding calls there were on USC on crucial plays, too, that a yeah. lot of which turned into first down completions um, for the Trojans. But overall, I mean, you can only harp, gripe on the refs for so long. I think that the quality outplay I mean, you know, the quality of our team outshone the mistakes by the referees. And right. I'm not complaining because we got the win. Had the score line been a little different, then I don't know, we might have some problems. But I mean, not that we have a lot to complain about in the first place, this <laughs> considering the circumstances that brought us here. But yeah. uh in your point about KT, I mean, exactly like a lot of people don't see him you know, maybe when he we've talked about this many times, when he is getting doubled all game by everybody, you're not going to notice if the casual fan, especially, is not going to notice when he's having a good game or not, because um, mm-hmm. it won't matter. Because, but he's still taking up two guys on the offensive line, and I'm really glad that we finally got a game to remind people that oh yeah, this guy is like insanely good. And I also love that it's it was really our first game. I know it wasn't our first game on the national national stage by any stretch, but It was the first where like everybody who was big into college football was watching our game. You had to, and it felt really good to see validate. It was validating when people around the country are talking about how good he is. Um, That being said, I want to talk about the offense a little bit um, because we saw some different things from our offense this game, mainly at quarterback. I was. I've been a Shuck like supporter all season and I've been behind the guy and I understand that getting a young guy reps is more important than getting a grad transfer reps. But like I was very relieved when I saw Brown in on mm-hmm. the last drive of the game for us. Yeah. I, mean, I just, Shuck had maybe his worst game of the year and it was yeah. in the biggest game of the year.
1: I think, I think he did. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think Shuck had his worst game. Like you said, I've been, you know, a supporter of Shuck's just because, you know, he's a program guy that we're trying to develop that has more years under his belt than Eugene, or or more years um, ahead of him in Eugene, potentially. You know, and you want to prep him for that. But, I I mean, like I said on Twitter, we don't win this conference title without Anthony Brown. And I did not expect to be saying that uh, Mm -hmm. going into this game. I didn't expect to be saying it really at any point this season, but yeah, I mean, Chuck was not good. Um, he was finished with a 27.6 QBR. That's not good, but I will no. say, you know, I I do just appreciate it was a war. I mean, if you saw his jersey, uh, you know, he was getting dragged down to the ground. He was roughed up. He was facing pressure. Um, he was willing
0: to run outside yeah. the box. Yeah.
1: And for the most part, you know, he didn't break. He had the one big interception, you know, and we talk about he's going to have a few missed reads, a few mistakes every game. He had the one big one at the end of the half. The defense bailed him out and they missed a field goal and it didn't hurt us. And other than that, he didn't throw the big interception late. He might not have gotten the big first down we could have used on some of those late drives, but Um, you know, the fact that he didn't, you know, fumble that ball or, or throw the interception, I know some fans are saying this a low bar, but it's a big situation for a first year QB. And I was, I was at least happy that he didn't break, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, usually it's with the defense when we're talking about the bend don't break metaphor, but, um, I mean, In looking at Brown's performance, obviously he started off on just third down short yardage situations, Um, first of which being at the goal line. I was Mm -hmm. really surprised. I mean, it's always – first of all, this sounds weird, but it's always tough for an offense to start with a short field because usually your first drive is completely scripted. Right. And you start with the ball as close to we did to the goal line. I mean, that scripted drive goes out the window, right? Yeah. you got to scrap that for later at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a completely a different scenario.
1: It's yeah. a problem you'd like to have, but it's a problem nonetheless a little bit, or a challenge. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. So, I mean, huge credit to Anthony Brown for doing what he needed to do. I He's probably my offensive MVP. I'm trying to think of other guys who had big impacts. I mean, Jalen Redd had a few big catches. Um, Travis Dye was great this game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Verdell yeah, out, yeah, no, Verdell,
1: it, you kind of forget about that during the game just because I think we got into such a flow. But, I mean, Verdell, obviously, he had a statement game in last year's Pac-12 championship uh, versus Utah. And, you know, we were without him tonight. That could have been felt more than it was. But because Die stepped up again like he has all year. And then Dollars, um, yes. Sean Dollars was huge. And I know I said – you know, pregame, it was his birthday. You know, he's from modern day, He's an L.A. kid. It was like, hey, this is the game where, you know, your reputation starts to be built. And this is a moment. It felt like after all the buzz we've heard about him going into the Rose Bowl last year, all offseason, you know, this could be a moment where he shine. And, you know, he didn't break off that 70-yard TD run or something, you know, amazing. That will be put on the highlight reel necessarily. But he just had a lot of solid runs um, yep. and just made the most of his, of his chances, which is all you can ask for. You, know, you don't want a guy coming in there and um, trying to do more than he needs. You know, He just took the yards he could get, got a little crafty. He had one big one late um, to set up that last field goal. I think he broke off like a 15-yarder, just yep. made one really good cut, and that got us right into the field goal range for Cattlemen. That was huge. I mean, if, if, you know, if we don't get a field goal on that drive and it's 24-28 down the closing stretch, that game feels a lot more tense, I think. Yeah. Um,
0: And I mean, he had, so I mean, to read his line off real quick, seven carries for 52 yards. um, That's 7.4 average. And like you mentioned, the 15, uh, long of 15, that's a great performance from a guy who gets seven touches and who... mm -hmm. Has gotten probably less than that all season combined, if I'm thinking back. I yeah. Mean, I it's feel just like he's the only beginning, like two hopefully. Two touches this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, like we've also mentioned, I think this was last episode. I mean, if we're willing to use him in the Rose Bowl, why are we not willing to use him in a regular season game in 2020, mm-hmm. much less a conference title in 2020? And I'm so glad that he got the touches he needed to be productive. And again, like. It's even when you do get those small sample sizes, this goes for Brown at quarterback as well. You have to make the most of those opportunities. Like you have to give people a reason to, like respect you and give you the more touches and give you the ball. So absolutely, I mean, yeah. Again, like very. I don't. I didn't really see any mistakes from dollars. Brown had that one dropped snap at one point, but other than that, he was great.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, this this game was just. For me, it was, me, it was just insane. It was, it yeah. felt so long. There are so many moments. Like I, you know, I, I rewatched a condensed version, but it was just like, wow, all this stuff happened. Like JJ Greenfield's getting that tipped punt. Yep. It was just punt, like, yeah, like this game was just chock full of. Of moments from all these guys on the team and and they stepped up big repeatedly I mean a guy like like Braden Swenson had a huge uh uh tipped ball at the line on the second or third down late Um, Kale Millen
0: on kickoff coverage yeah
1: Kale Millen
0: like if if there weren't enough surprising things in this game how's your third string quarterback making one of the hits of the year on on the kickoff return (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was just truly a game that I think is going to go down as a classic Oregon game. Um, you know, and I think people didn't expect that necessarily. Some people had given up on this season. But, I, you know, in the immediate aftermath, it just feels like this is one of those games, like, this is required watching. As for the Ducks fans that are born, you know, in the next decade or whatever, this is one of those games that's like, You got to watch this Pac-12 championship where after a four and two season, all this weird stuff happened, you know, this battle between the two dominant brands on the West Coast, they collide for the first time in a Pac-12 championship game and Oregon gets it done in the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was, it was so cool. Uh, I mean, it was just an amazing game.
0: Like you mentioned or touched on a little bit too, in a lot of ways this was a great metaphor for the season overall because or at least what we've seen from it so far. Because we just don't know what the hell to expect from this season. I mean, mm. it's safe to say we still don't know what we're expecting. I mean, shoot, we just saw like some brand new offensive packages in the last conference game of the year, right? Right. And we've only played six games. So like this this season is just It continually throws stuff at us. Again, I think it's a great metaphor for uh, 2020 overall, if you want to take it that far, or just the football football season this year. I mean, you just never knew what was going to happen next. I mean, I'm pretty sure I watched the same condensed game as you. And on each drive, I was like, oh, yeah, that's this drive. Like, whoa. Right. I mean, you don't get that in many football games.
1: Yeah, it was just, it was constant. I, and I think it, you know, spoke to the fact that I felt like this game was played at a pretty high level. I mean, these are teams that sit at. I think USC is tenth in the two four seven team talent composite. Um, Oregon is twelfth, which is the metric for the total talent you have on your roster. So these are two really talented teams, um, and they felt. I mean, you could tell both teams wanted it so bad. Even like another big one. USC gets that onside kick. That yeah. was in that was insane. Like that that happened, but then the defense rises up. I think Kayvon had a big sack on that drive and we just immediately got the ball back. Like we just, you know, put our head down, yeah. put our foot in the ground and said, like, no, we're not going to let this onside kick turn into a into a backbreaker that lets them back into this game.
0: It's funny. My so the I was trying to stream, we don't have cable in, in this house, so I was trying to like airplay the game from my phone mm-hmm. to the TV, and it cut out like a couple different times um, before I had to go yell at my brother to stop using the Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, but, but those two times where it cut out were the onside kick and the roughing the kicker penalty on oh, USC. Yeah. So both times, wow. I when the game turned back on, I was expecting to see the other team with the ball. And I had mm-hmm. to, like, scroll back through Twitter to, or a drive chart to see what had happened. But, I mean, like you said, yeah, just so many memorable moments. So many, in fact, that you can't even remember them all. And it's, yeah. it's totally worth a rewatch. And, again, it was, like, uh, obviously I'm glad we won. And, I mean, I would rather have us won by more. But it was still entertaining to see such a, like, it, I mean, it did technically come down to the wire. Like, it was yeah. entertaining oh, totally. to see a game that was competitive from start to finish for both teams. And by the way, something we haven't mentioned yet, two teams that really hated each other once they got onto the field. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely a lot of pent up anger from both these teams. USC, obviously from last year's thrashing in the Coliseum at the hands of McHale and company. And then the ducks probably just from being disrespected by pretty much everybody in the lead up to this game. Yeah. I don't,
1: I don't know if you, you heard, uh, from Mario's Chris, from Mario's, um, Uh, media availability today talking about the bowl game but he was like oh recruiting starts with you know showing on the field that you're about what you talk about not (laughs) off season um you know hashtags and uh and (laughs) recruiting edits about things you're going to (laughs) do um it was just so good and i mean that's you know they don't get to say anything for anything to us for another 12 months i mean they really don't this time Mm -hmm. you know because it's like I think a lot of people said, oh, yeah, Oregon had one good season last year, whatever. Well, through all this stuff, people thought they had their shot at us this year and what was certainly a down year. And we ended up on top and we're going back to another Fiesta Bowl. That, uh, or, you know, another New Year's Six Bowl, obviously, is Rose Bowl last year. But um, mm-hmm. that just feels awesome. And I, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it just amazing.
0: And for what it's worth, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We do not have USC on our Pac-12 slate next year. Again, as of right now. I mean, who oh, knows? Wow. Who knows how the schedules will shake up? But I mean, it could be another couple of years before we see them. Um, or maybe we'll,
1: we, you know, maybe we'll see them in a conference championship again. Certainly, they're a yeah, team exactly. that will be perennial competitors in that South. Um, I mean,
0: I wouldn't be mad to see them again. The, no, I, I,
1: I mean, I feel, I feel confident in what we're doing, uh, you know, what we're building here. Also, I mean, their 2020 recruiting class is a hole for them. It was like ranked in the 60s or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was really a bad class. And you can't put those bad classes in your program as they move up and move into upperclassmen and they you depend on that group to be your leaders, um, then, you know, that's when your, your program can really hit a down, a down spot. I mean, even Oregon kind of felt something like that this year when we essentially had our two, um, you know, stars from our junior class, Penne and Javon stripped from us. Yep. Um, so you take those two guys out and, and it makes sense that there were some issues early on in the year because, you know, those are our main upperclassmen. Those are our first-round picks in our junior class, yep. uh, you know, and they're not on the field. Um, but, you know, in this game, it, it it really didn't matter because guys stepped off, stepped up across the board. I mean, a few other guys I want to touch on. Um, my personal favorite, Brandon Dorless had an awesome yep. game. I knew you were going to say that. Breakout <laughs> game. Um, I mean, he, I, he had a few sacks, I think. Let me pull that up. He definitely um, had a
0: few pressures. I remember one play where he missed like two sack opportunities at once and then Slovis still completed a pass.
1: Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I mean, nonetheless,
0: he was, all, he, was a, he had a great game.
1: Yeah, he he had he finished with one sack, one tackle for a loss. I think he had a tipped ball at the line, but you know, um as an interior D-lineman, you know, it it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but if you watch that game, you just saw his presence around the quarterback like you said. Um, and I mean, some of the plays were, you know, tip your cap to Slovis at times, he has a knack for just escaping out of that pocket, even though we, you know, made his life health, um, at times. And we got those three interceptions. He, I mean, there were some plays there where it was just like, wow, you know, he's playing good football. This guy's a gamer and, and these two programs are going back and forth. Um, definitely the best really quarterback
0: fun. we faced all year yeah but that being said it was also our best defensive line performance all year yeah by far I think
1: and um, that was a big challenge because USC I mean they continue to build this way you know they're big they're they have a strength with their wide receiver core and obviously Slovis is a good quarterback but that O-line was a big weakness for them and I know that that's something that um our coaches challenged our D-line to do this week was really step up because this is an opportunity for you guys to control a Pac-12 title game
0: yep. uh, after and a rough year.
1: And they did, yeah.
0: um, I mean, yeah, just to, you mentioned this also with the tip passes. That's a huge like intangibles thing. Um, that just shows that guys are in the right headspace when they're on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, this often gets talked about with Saban's teams, especially if you watched the game last night. Um, but like if <clears throat> guys want to contribute in every way they can, it's not just, oh, let me do my job, do what I'm supposed to do. And then like, Hey, let's see if it turns out right. It's like, no, let me do literally everything I can on the field to get the win. I mean, I think Williams had a few tip balls or, uh, KT definitely did. I know Dorless had a couple at least. Isaac um, Slade had a big one. I know Slade had one. Yeah. I think, uh, Jackson, maybe I don't remember. Um, but a lot of different guys contributed in that way. Um, Amave, I don't know if Popo had any tip balls, but he was getting a good push um, when Mack was out. We haven't even mentioned uh, Jordan Scott, by the way, who had another great game at nose tackle, just pushing guys back. So, yeah, I mean, all around, like, definitely a performance to remember from the defensive line. I was so proud of them.
1: Yeah, I was, you know, two other guys that I think I – have to you know have to be mentioned here are um jamal hill and dj dave or dj james who we found um late in cycles out of the south uh yep. you know dj james from alabama he got a late offer from uh, alabama on signing day there saban was trying to flip him and then jamal hill out of georgia uh, they had huge moments in this game um, i mean jamal hills are obvious the two interceptions were gigantic um, as, you know, that first one was really big. And then obviously the last one, uh, you know, was the play we needed to really shut the door on them. Um, but he was he was great throughout, great getting up and tackling. Uh, and then DJ James, you know, showed up and took on a big role as a cornerback um, in his second year, stepping up. And I mean, that one ball he fought with, uh, Drake London for, I think it was, it was late in that, uh, on a third down, the drive, they settled for a field goal late in that second half. Uh
0: Um,
1: you know, that ball went up and it's DJ James on Drake London. Who's, you know, (laughs) one of the best receivers in the, in the conference, definitely. Uh, and it was like, it goes up, they're going down with it. It's like, does he have the ball or not? Um, and you just, DJ James just kept, fighting got Mm -hmm. that ball out you see it rolling on the ground and it's just like what a huge play from this young guy to step up in this big moment um and keep fighting because it was a game that you felt like you know every point could matter especially given kind of the tendency for these trojans to make big comebacks
0: yeah and i mean i'm glad you mentioned that play because that was one of the Many where like the margins are so slim on so many of these Mm -hmm. plays that it's just like your attitude that will win out like Mm -hmm. attitude and obviously athleticism. I mean, we saw USC miss a few of those big potential big plays um, for themselves. I'm thinking of Brown's potential interception on the goal line. Um, oh my god I can't remember which linebacker was that was that
1: was who that was uh who was the guy I think was diving and he got his hands under it and as he rolls over it slips out that was that was yeah I mean yeah I don't know about you but when I saw that that. I was like oh shit like we just threw
0: a pick on the goal line you gotta be kidding I think the words you gotta be kidding me came out of my mouth before I saw the ball like squirt away from him at the last second um but yeah I, I mean From this graphic I'm reading from U of O, 35 different players have made a start this season. Um and we had 16 different guys, nine on offense, seven on defense, make their first career starts this season. Um I'm sure that's not like completely like guys on the field at the first snap accurate, but it is probably Mm -hmm. accurate in terms of like reps guys are getting throughout the game. So Mm -hmm. that's again, always something good to see. And uh, something we also haven't mentioned is we barely cleared the eligibility requirement for this game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like we were very close to being in the same like boat as Washington in terms of not literally not being able to field a team. A right. scholarship team. The
1: yeah. Game. And I know John Welner has his long list of excuses for USC about <laughs> their short weeks and whatever. It's like, you know, that's the nature of the season. Um, and I mean, like you said, we had, you know, a bunch of, uh, injuries and whatever to deal with too. Um, I think Kayvon really summed it up well when he said, you know, who's gonna, who are you going to let determine whether this is a legitimate championship, the winners or the losers?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's... And I mean, Mario also gave a lot of credit to like the athletics, like the training staff at U of O. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys always work incredibly hard but especially this season um, i mean dealing with covid on top of like your regular slate of injuries on top of like limited practices and whatnot throughout the off season that make injuries more prevalent like there's just been a whole host of things to deal with and those guys are definitely earning their pay over there um i don't know any of their names but props to them um Yeah, I think so. It's just, it's again, that's like a cult. That's something we talk about all the time. That's a culture thing. Like, that's a coach having complete control over the program and making sure everything is running smoothly. And that's a Mm -hmm. huge behind the scenes thing that we never think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, that's how I feel right now. I, I, I think, you know, some people are getting into arguments on Twitter and people are talking about. Oh, do we have a qb controversy and all that stuff i mean for me right now like as a fan it's just like this is a time to be really proud of the players and the staff and the medical department and all these everyone you know who contribute to this accomplishment because it really is a big accomplishment in this crazy year um and i just think you know there'll be time to talk about uh you know controversy and hot takes and all that stuff later but Right now, it's like I, who
0: who really cares if Shuck is better or worse than Dakota Prukop or Braxenberg? Like right. who who the hell cares? Right, right exactly. just enjoy the damn win. Like we won and it's over, and let's beat Iowa State. Like right. that's all you really have to worry about.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So when he's my dog's <laughs> going crazy right now. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, the Ducks, did well. First of all, is there anything else you want to say about the USC game before we move on?
1: Um. I think that's I think that's pretty much it. I'm sure that you know we'll have more thoughts in this kind of extended break uh, until the, until the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got to say for now.
0: All right, sweet. Um, so yeah, as we mentioned, drew Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl this morning. That was that's a pretty controversial um, decision by the com. Well, I, is it the committee who decides that, or is it somebody else? I don't I, even, I don't know I, how that
1: works. I think that. Uh, I don't totally know how it works. I think Iowa's. I mean, I think uh, the Fiesta Bowl has some say over, like who they get to pick. That's but what I would
0: assume. The right. committee
1: also has a role. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's Iowa State, not Indiana, not Coastal Carolina, not Cincinnati, not Georgia, or any of the other at larges. Um, I don't know about you, but I think we. Lucked out pretty hard with this one. Um, Iowa State is opening as like a three and a half point favorite on in most places, which I mean, shoot, that's the same thing USC was. Like it's pretty much a heads up matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could have been a lot worse. I always hate going up against Group of Five teams just because, like, you're you know, if you win, it's not super satisfying, and if you lose, it's just super disappointing. Yeah. Um, so, in that case, I would not want to play Cincy or Coastal, even if they are, like, a better or worse team, what have you. Because um, the reality is, in 2020 especially, and this goes for pretty much every other year, too, is, like, we don't know. Like You're, you're mm-hmm. cheating yourself if you know who's better between, say, any yeah. two teams. Um, <laughs> except maybe, like, Bama or Clemson. Um, yeah, right. But it's, like... Like, everybody, it, honestly, like, this year, it's pretty much Bama-Clemson, and then, like, there's, like, a few other teams on, like, a tier below, maybe, like, a handful of them that have realistic, like, playoff, like, they're good enough to play in a four-team playoff, and then there's the rest of us, where, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, from the best group of five teams to us, which takes up about, like all of the standings, like seven through 25. I mean, we're pretty much in the same boat. I feel like we're pretty that's, much. Yeah. Like
1: Yeah. That's how I feel. I mean, right now, who am I, who would I be worried about playing if I'm the ducks? Um, I think any of the top four, I mean, even though I, you know, have a tendency to, you know, not want to respect Notre Dame, they have had a pretty impressive season. Um, I think, You know, A and M's Any
0: of those teams would kill us.
1: Yeah, A and M's pretty legit. I think. I mean, I I honestly felt, and you might disagree with this because I know you don't like Florida very much. I feel like (laughs) Florida is the fourth best team in the country. I don't think they should make the playoffs at all. Um, But when they're playing well, I mean, the fact that they really competed with Bama, um, I thought I was like they have a lot of potential. You know that Trask to Pitts connection. Just the that off at with how important offense is. Their offense is one of a handful that I think can really function at that high enough level to compete it. To compete um, there, I think.
0: I mean, I look at it this way with Florida is, um, and my Georgia bias is probably going to show here, but hear me out, anyways. Um, if J T Daniels is starting the entire season. Even if Florida beats Georgia, still Florida's not winning that division. Like they're not the, or at least they're not the best team in that division. So, yeah, I would be scared yeah. of Georgia too. By the way, if we played Georgia, yeah, no,
1: I, I was gonna say I'd be scared of Georgia and Oklahoma. I think I I feel kind of scared of, but not that scared. Really, I I actually think that. Um,
0: yeah, I feel we're, like we would match up well against Oklahoma. I,
1: yeah, I think we're a pretty similar team to Oklahoma. You know, the big difference is just that they have played 10 games and we've played six. Mm-hmm. I I really think this team is, um, you know, kind of starting to hit a stride And that uh, if we had more games to play, it wouldn't be, you know, crazy to think that by the end of it we could really be playing at a legit top 15 or top 10 level. I mean, I honestly, I thought we played that way um almost on on friday or at least that you know like we said like you said Mm -hmm. we belong in that big cluster of teams with your indianas your unc's northwesterns and your iowa states um yep so you know i i did feel like we we earned uh or we proved ourselves um but you know I, i understand why we're ranked 25th we're four and two and you know, sometimes it is does just have to be that simple for the committee where they say this team's won four games and lost two games. How high can we really put them? Yeah. And um, I mean,
0: anyone who, who has watched us this season, I mean, I would have trouble putting us above like 20 or so just based on right. Oregon state and Cal results too. I mean, and right, let's be exactly. honest, like the UCLA game could have been a loss. Um, you yeah. shouldn't count games like that necessarily, but like it wasn't a top 20 caliber performance by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's how, you, you know, you kind of take all these data points and you average them out. So, you know, in our first two games, we might have looked like a top 15 team. And then UCLA, we look like we're, you know, at the bottom of the top 25. And then versus Oregon State and Cal, obviously we look like we don't deserve to be ranked at all. And then this game, I thought we looked, you know, again, like we were a top 15, top 10 type of team. Um, So, you know, that feels good.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I, mean, I I feel like more than anything, this is a year where people... Honestly, actually, this goes for every single season. People need to stop thinking about teams in terms of just ranked or not ranked. We really need to get deeper and like I know the Athletic does this with ranking all 130 uh, Division One A teams, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, Kansas is not at the same caliber as like uh, Utah right a team on the cusp of the top 20 or i guess they're not on the cusp but they should be at the top 25 like Mm -hmm. yeah those both count as unranked wins if you beat them those are not the same caliber of win. and i think this is where like honest like if we did this we i don't know who the hell would do this um i mean i think every everyone would benefit from this kind of conversation because a lot of the times when you talk about like sec bias and things like this and you talk about oh you know, the SEC has so many bad teams. Why are you like, you know, why why are you trying to uphold the SEC's crazy strength of schedule? Like, well, a lot of them are just middle of the pack teams. And that's kind of what separates them a lot of the time from other conferences is that like their mid-level or low, their low-level teams are at the same like space as others mid-level teams, right? I mean, we saw LSU beat Florida. I think that's a perfect example. Like, the best the you know there's only one vanderbilt in the sec right and i know it seems like i'm waving an sec flag here but my point is i think everyone could benefit from using this sort of system
1: well i think feel over no i i mean i i I agree with some of what you're saying. I think I would put it a little differently. I mean, I really I really think a lot of the problem is that people love to focus their narrative so much around the playoff. And I just think that there's so much more intrigue in college football. And I that's, you know, really what I would how I would explain the SEC focus in this sport is that, you know, like it or not, the SEC does truly have four teams that you know, deserve legitimate consideration for a playoff Um, you know, they have four top 10 teams. I think that's what separates them this year. And in a dialogue about the playoff where, you know, literally almost half of the teams come from one conference. When you're talking elite playoff, that's going to happen. And and they come from one conference because, you know, they recruit at that level. Um, and they you know they have that talent they have a bunch of talent around them and they go after it uh you know with a, a lot more rigor than the Pac-12 certainly does uh you know outside of Oregon and maybe USC so
0: and i mean it's just all around yeah. culture and support too like yeah like it or not there's a reason that Cristobal's name pops up in the Auburn coaching surge even if you think our program is like Ahead of Auburn or whatever, um, just in terms of like, oh, we have a playoff appearance. Like, <clears throat> even South Carolina is like, has the potential to like be at our level if they have the right guys and they're recruiting the right way. Like, if they had Mario Cristobal, we might be talking about them in a different light. But the fact that they play in the SEC, that they are only going to get a handful of wins every year when you start counting, and then you have to like, perpetuate uh you know then you have to add the layers of who's coach and how's your recruiting been doing and everything on top of that like they the all the people don't realize all these teams in the SEC have like the support that Oregon does or that USC does like it's the the scale everything is just so scaled out down there that it's a totally different like level of thing i well, mean I, tennessee is what like the second or third worst team in the conference, and they have Nealon Stadium for a reason. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think culturally there's no doubt, you know, the investment down in the South is a bit different. Um, and, I mean, financially, just like, you know, the expectations for fans to send in their $1,000, a few thousand dollar check every year and all that stuff is, you know, is not really the same as we see at Oregon. But I also think... Um, you know I mean speaking for Oregon specifically I certainly can't defend the Pac-12 compared to those programs <laughs> as a whole but Oregon has some real advantages I mean having Phil Knight and Kilkenny as our boosters they are a lot less toxic than the types you'll see at an Auburn I mean oh, you totally. can see that with yeah. Auburn's coaching search right now that thing is is totally being derailed and they're trying to promote within this guy, Kevin Steele, who's their defensive coordinator and a bunch of fans are speaking out against it. Um, you know, people who are really power hungry and and they think that they deserve say within a football program when they don't know really much about it. Um, I think, you know, Oregon, the energy around this program, I really appreciate it that it is, you know, so homegrown in some ways. And I mean, it's just so Oregon uh, that, you know, I think that has a really positive effect, and there's a bunch of, you know, potential to build a healthy program there, which Mario recognizes, even if there isn't some of the same financial commitment. And then the other thing is just the brand of Oregon. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I do just think whatever you want to say about the financial investment at, or, you know, the football stadium at, at Tennessee or, you know, whatever about South Carolina that that Oregon O means something totally different yep. than the interlocking AU for Auburn does or whatever. You know, you can try to say it's more or less, but it's different and it attracts certain types of players and it allows you to recruit nationally in a really unique way that I think, you know, you can't put a price tag on really.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's what a lot of these kids and like older people too are figuring out is that like, the fact that Oregon does play in the Pac-12, the fact that geographically we are separated from pretty much every other major program in the country um, is an advantage. Like, we use that to our advantage. We Mm -hmm. are different, and that's, like, our thing. Um, Even the fact that we haven't really had any successful history since 1994, like, that, it doesn't matter. We use it to our advantage. And, like, we can, I mean, it's hard to say, like, being perennial losers until 94 can be used as an advantage, but it's still the fact that like, yeah, we are on the rise. I mean, Mm. people clown us. I mean, what's the biggest roast on Oregon all the time, right? Oh, we have no national championships. Well, guess what? If you're a recruit, you could be on the first national title winning team in Oregon history. It's easy to spin it. How does that sound right now? You want to be a part of it more so than like, Oh, Alabama, you could go and like expect to win a national title. Yes. But like, You'll just be another player there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I love about this moment in the program is, you know, I think that this is the most exciting time in sports, period, is when, you know, a college football program or an NBA organization or whatever is making that push for the first title or the first title in a long, long time. And, you know, there's just a different level of excitement around it different uh, than, than a team that has just won a couple. Um, Yeah. You know, it's really, uh, I mean, it, it's just, you know, a really fun time to be a part of this program. And I think that that energy, like you said, is something that you can capitalize on totally.
0: And I mean, I just, something that really stuck with me and that you just really touched on uh, a memory you touched on in my head was last year I was watching uh, the Ohio state Clemson game with a Clemson fan among others and they sincerely did not care if they won or lost this game Um, because if they won this person knew they were going to have to buy a ticket uh, to New Orleans to see them get destroyed by LSU in the championship game which I mean is exactly what happened Um, and if they lost they were like oh it's okay we'll be here next year again like (laughs) like that's just crazy. Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> that yeah, you know? I mean, I'm sure my perspective might be different if we had if we had won against Auburn and Ohio State, and who knows, we probably would have had another couple shots by then if those went came true. But like, I I'm like you said, it's really exciting to still be like in the infancy of success. Yeah, still and be so relatively hungry. speaking, we are still in the infancy of success. Yes, right. it's been. It's been 10 years since that first appearance, but, I mean, it's 10 years is nothing in college football in right. terms of success. 25 years is nothing. 26, you know, whatever, since the pick, that's nothing in terms of college football success. So I'm, I'm still excited that we're here for the beginning of it, at least.
1: Um, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, it's a super the, fun time, and, and, I mean, going back to this game... Uh, you know versus usc i just think it was a huge uh, you i mean i think people just lost in the moment of the season and the four and two and all that you know kind of rolled over and said oh is this really that important it really is because you know that whole trajectory of the program could have hit a plateau and you could see you know usc start rising and i mean you know i hate usc i don't like to say anything nice about them but when that thing is really moving (laughs) it's it's scary to compete with i mean they can be really elite if if they really take off and taking you know winning a big game like this that comes down to so many of these little moments is just so cool i i think it's i mean that's what i love about this sport is that these big you know trends and stuff then come down to these individual moments and storylines of a kid like Jamal Hill, you know, coming across the country to play at Oregon. And he makes this one play, you know, that then turns into this bigger thing um, and decides a game and, and changes the trajectory of two West coast powers. And, you know, who knows where it goes from here, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to your point, again, somebody was talking about this, that, uh, that like a lot of Oregon's success in recent years wasn't built on like big game performances. I mean, yeah, we had like, I mean, we were talking about this on the last pod, like what's your biggest game in like aughts in history or whatever. And there's honestly not like a ton of them or as many as mm-hmm. you would expect just off the top of your head. Cause a lot of our success was built on just beating the absolute crap out of everybody so much so that like, it wouldn't even be a big game by the time it was over. I mm-hmm. mean, think about it. Like, what games can you point to that were like, wow, that was a huge game that Oregon won, that like totally shifted everyone's perspective of who we were? I'm thinking Stanford 2010. I'm thinking the playoff game against the, Florida State. Yeah, I'm that's thinking a, of uh, Utah you know, last year. Like, yeah,
1: what? yeah. I mean, but I think you know, to your point, a lot of those happened just when we were first growing. That in 2009, you have. You know, the Civil War yeah. for the Roses and the USC game, those are big. And then, you know, the Stanford 2010 is big. Uh, I think the Michigan State game in 2014 on yep, our way to that, he- that yep. playoff Great was call. a big one to win a non-conference one at Otso. Beating
0: Michigan in the big house way before this all yeah. national hype really even started. Um, yeah, but,
1: but like you said, I mean, it you know, it was the nights where we put um, – you know, 60 on Colorado and, you know, game after game, game. you know, those things in the flashy uniforms, just, you know, it was that thing of of this entire generation of people our age being inundated, you know, every night on the highlight show is like, oh, there's Oregon running out in the uniforms again. And they put up 60 again. Like, what is this, you know? And that wasn't normal, as normal as it is now. Alabama, you know, was still the preeminent power, but they weren't doing it the way that they are now that we used to do it. They were winning games 24 to 6 or whatever.
0: Well, and I'm glad you mentioned Bama because every year Bama is going to have like, like, and they're going to win them anyways any year. So I don't know if you can consider it a big game in that respect, but they'll have a, multiple top, like 10 top five opponents on their schedule every season. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to play a Florida or a Georgia in the, SEC championship game,
1: like, when mm-hmm, they have LSU were, every year, and they have Auburn every year. Yeah,
0: exactly. Who are our? Let's let's count our four wins in conference title games. Right, we're four zero. First one, UCLA. Everyone knew the outcome of that game. Before that was it an
1: afterthought. Yeah, that was a total afterthought. I mean, I remember same like, thing with
0: the Arizona game. Yeah. Uh, we beat the cr- absolute living crap out of them in the Pac-10 yeah, I mean, title they, game. The they only had team that that year. Yeah, 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 but but like, come on, that... it was not close. Yeah, um, Utah last year didn't belong on the same field as us even though they were undefeated. And now USC this year, I mean, I can't say we beat them convincingly, but we beat them with we beat them in a game they were favored in. I mean, same thing with Utah last year.
1: Yeah. Like, I think part of what was so satisfying about this year too was that they really did put up a fight. I mean, it felt like Utah we kind of just pushed over and said like you aren't what you think you are you know, like sit yeah. down. And I mean, this they is pulled it conference. within eight at
0: one point, but I think right after that we scored another touchdown and then like another one. And it was, yeah. Over, so,
1: but I mean, this game, it was like, we really had to put him down. I think that they just had this kind of built up thing about being able to come back in these games and, Oh, Slovis fourth quarter stats. Let's flash him on the screen again, <laughs> even though he's <laughs> thrown six picks in his two games against Oregon. Um, <laughs>
0: I loved yeah. that. I thought that was so – no, I thought of that literal same stat at the end. Um, right. Because they, they showed like – exactly. They showed his fourth quarter stats and it was like 17 touchdowns, like one pick or something. And I was like, okay, what are his stats against us? Because you should hold us to a different standard than right. the Arizonas of the world. Like, Yeah, exactly. And um, I, mean, I maybe this is just because I've been doing some like – deep, deep old school research into football recently, but I couldn't help but think of this game in terms of like, this is some weird ass headline that somebody's going to read in like 50 years and just stare at like, what the fuck was this about? Like what happened this season? What happened Mm -hmm. in this game? Like it was just the absolute weirdest set of circumstances. It was the weirdest game you could think of for so many reasons. And I, I mean, I'm just glad we won it. Like, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. And (laughs) And it's it's important that we won it, too.
1: Yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, like you said, you know, in 50 years, well, people think of it. You know, they probably won't realize all the things that. That went down, you know, that that guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, who had those Mm -hmm. 12 pressures is actually from LA and went to Oregon. Maybe they don't know that. You know, they probably definitely don't know that USC paraded around on Twitter for nine months talking about (laughs) how this was going to be the game that they, you know, regain control of the West Coast. So yeah, I think it's just exactly. crazy. Like, there's the so many
0: storylines in. packed into this game that you can't even like touch on them. I'm sure we haven't even touched on them all, even though we yeah. just spent 57 minutes talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so I guess we got a little bit off track. Uh, I mean, we'll do a full Iowa State preview in in the coming days, but um, yeah. real quick, I mean, I personally, and this is not just because I'm a Josh Pate listener. <laughs> I've always kind of admired Iowa State um, just because they're like like a team on the cusp and they're finally trying to break through. And this really is their breakthrough is making a New Year's Six game. Um, yeah. I think it's safe to say that's the first time that's ever happened for them or at least in many, many years. Um, I have a lot of respect for their program and their coach, uh, Matt Campbell. Um, and they just they're a very weird team. I think it's safe mm-hmm. to say. They were very like – like it surprised – I mean because when you think of the Big 12, you think of first of all Oklahoma and Texas obviously. And mm. then you think like, oh, Baylor has been good recently. TCU has been doing a lot um, in recent memory. They kind of rose up around the same time we did. And Iowa State always just kind of gets lost in the shuffle even though they'll have like – 789 win team every year that's like in the hunt for a Big 12 title. Well they finally yeah. got their shot at the Big 12 title this year and they lost it to Oklahoma in a rematch. They've already beaten Oklahoma once this season. Um but they're definitely a dangerous team. I mean they're favored for a reason and I am just excited to what from what I've seen so far at least, I'm excited to interact with an, with a reasonable fan base. Like Yeah. Nobody who's just going to try to you know overshout us or like try to be well, cooler yeah. than they all, are all, <laughs> all those all
1: those big ones feel so like threatened by Oregon as like this new hot name yeah you exactly. know, all the perennial yeah. powers they're just like oh you guys have won a national championship you're like little kid football you just run around and it's just like shut up like yeah you know <laughs> okay yeah smacked yours back when or will smack yours this time like Yeah. Good, you know, good luck enjoying it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, I'm excited. I I have a lot of respect for Iowa state. It seems like the respect is mutual. Um, Matt Campbell said his quote was, when you say Oregon football, I think everybody has an immediate respect factor for who they are and what they are about. That's just awesome. Like, you know, um, and I think it's just totally different. I mean, not that I don't care about the result. It's a fiesta bowl. You know, I'm sure I'll really be into it when I'm watching. But, like, if you'd seen me watching this USC game, like, I was hostile. I was amped. <laughs> I was on edge. You know, it's, like, out for blood. Like, we are not losing to these.
0: Scrubs. Bleep, well, you
1: know. Scrub. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, like, like, we are winning this game. Um, so, I think I, I will feel that way feel... about
0: a lot of pretty much any Power 5 program we play, like, out of yeah. conference in a bowl game every year. I mean, again, yeah. I'm going to cite Wisconsin last year. God, those people were insufferable a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> right. And same with Auburn. A after lot of we the time. beat them
1: in 2012, like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like,
0: yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Michigan State. I just like. Yeah. Are you even a real program? I can't even tell. Dude. Um, yeah. I.
1: Because well, I, I went to East Lansing for the second one.
0: Oh God.
1: And they were brutal. I mean. They gave them all night to get drunk as a night game and they were just like, yeah, i mean, insufferable and I was there head to toe and ducks here. So, um, <laughs> but like but, I
0: said, when you're not playing these teams, they have like, or if you, if we haven't played like a certain team, they have a lot of respect for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I cite, I cite my time in Tennessee and Georgia is a lot of that. Like I got a lot of respect, like people recognize the brand, they recognize us. Um, and I'm going to recognize Iowa state as being a team on the rise. It's Matt Campbell's what fifth season now. I mean, he's done a lot of great things to bring that team from, I mean, they used to be like, Oh, that team that beat Oklahoma state in, uh, what, 2011. Um, or like they were that team where if you catch them on the right night, they, they might make a big upset. Um, Mm -hmm. but now they're like a, they're turning into a legit program and that's great to see. So yeah, yeah it's good big, for big that. happy handholding time right now. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it'll get a little more ruthless come January first and second. But um, yeah, I'm I'm glad we got Iowa State as an opponent. I mean, let's yeah. let's think about other possible teams you could have got. Florida, pff, God no, those people yeah, are no. insufferable. No. Um, Georgia, I would not. I mean, whatever, like. Notre Dame was in that discussion. Don't like them. Texas A&M would have just roasted the crap out of us at any opportunity they got. Um, yeah. Who else? Uh, Oklahoma, similar. Like, I don't think they... They're still salty at us from the game back in that would have been
1: That would have been an <laughs> intense matchup. Like, everybody I mean, hates us. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. I think it's... I think this will just be fun. Um, and I mean, you know, we... We already got our crystal extension. Yup. We got yeah, our we can
0: sleep at night. <laughs> top
1: 6 class all signed. We got our back-to-back pac 12 championships in the trophy case. What you know, what can they do to hurt us really?
0: Yeah. I mean, as long as we don't get embarrassed out there.
1: Yeah. Like it's it's okay. Which yeah. I think we'll sh- I I mean, I've, you know, every reason to believe we'll show up um, you know, we'll show up and yeah. give it a good shot and, and compete. I I mean Iowa yeah, and State, again we'll
0: we'll do a more uh, deep dive preview at right, some point. Exactly. But like these are two quality opponents.
1: Or, yeah, you yeah. know. Iowa State isn't like world beaters though. Like I don't you know, we'll see what happens. But like we're not playing Bama. They're not gonna I don't think they'll <laughs> absolutely run us off the field or anything. Um, even though I, I respect them and I totally think that this is a game that could go either way. Uh, you know that's why it's such a close point spread and everything. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm excited.
0: I mean, let's for those who haven't been watching Iowa State this year, because to be honest, I actually have watched a lot of these games. Looking at their schedule, um, let's just recap real quick. Run through their results this season. Their first game of the year was a loss to Louisiana, formerly mm-hmm. known as Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. Um, and it was not close. They lost by three scores um, yeah. at home. Uh, that's embarrassing. Uh, then they got a close win at TCU to open up Big 12 play. Then they beat Oklahoma by seven, which was a like program-changing like type signature win for them. Um, then they kind of ran through it. They beat Texas Tech. They barely lost to Oklahoma State on the road, who was number six at the time. Uh, They had a bit, you know, beat the crap out of Kansas, beat Baylor by seven, beat Kansas State by 45. Um, They beat Texas by three. I definitely watched that game. That was a really entertaining one, 23-20. And then they beat the crap out of West Virginia before losing to Oklahoma by six points in their conference title game. So real up and down year, real confusing year, um, probably even for their fans. But, I mean, a solid team nonetheless. And I mean, it's safe to say they're about at Oklahoma level this season. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the two results show that. Um, obviously, program and like prestige level is probably well, definitely not there. But I mean, in terms of on-field product, that's kind of what you can expect in comparing them to a common opponent. So, or not common opponent, but you know, more familiar, team more recognizable program. team. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. Anything else you got to say about the cyclone?
1: Uh, no, not really. Um, we should probably touch on just a tiny bit of recruiting. Um, yeah, I wanted. I was going to ask you about say.
0: Jadarius Perkins because at yeah.
1: least is what top
0: three earlier today. We're still uh, Yeah, top so.
1: top four with Oregon, Miss State, Mizzou, and Oklahoma. He says he's signing on Thursday, um, and I think. Well, that's one to just track in these next few days if there's any movement on it. I know after he decommitted, there are a bunch of predictions to Mississippi State immediately. Um, But, you know, I think they kind of had a bit of a dud on their uh, early signing day. And then Perkins has had a lot of pro-Oregon activity on social media recently. Mm -hmm. So it seems like that's, um, you know going to be a pretty close decision and it'll just be interesting we'll probably get an indication if if some of these predictions start moving back towards oregon uh that we're a good spot and i know he, he thinks highly of oregon you know it's probably if he doesn't pick us it's it's probably a lot to do with just distance and you know the pandemic maybe and all that um yeah and i mean like you there. already
0: mentioned our entire classes in or our entire expected class is still intact even without mm-hmm. him so Yeah, exactly. There's not too much to be worried about.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he's a good piece, and and we could use a little help in the secondary, I think. Um, And then the other thing is Siaki Ika has an announcement on Monday. It's not totally clear whether that's his official decision or his top list. Uh, But right now, it sounds like. Utah, BYU, Baylor are players there, and then Oregon is also a a player. Uh, It sounds like he's probably not returning to LSU. Uh, I know Mm -hmm. there are some people who thought that would happen. Um, But, you know, he's a really talented guy, a guy that we wanted a lot when he initially came out of high school. Um, He's pretty close to the vest with what he is doing, with even what he's announcing tomorrow. Uh, So we'll see how that shakes out. But he would be a huge addition if we could get him, and I think there's, um, you know, some some really small, subtle indicators that we are at least in contention there, um, yeah. you know, from what can be picked up.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to add more people at this point. Uh, I One thing I wanted to touch on with recruiting, not necessarily relating to Oregon, but we've we're continuing the trend of seeing a lot more guys enter the transfer portal. Um, for those of us who, for the, those unfortunate souls, uh, who joined me in watching Arizona state, Oregon state late on last night, I guess. Um, Mm. I talked about Herm Edwards, bold strategy of leaving most of his recruiting class open just so he could get, Recruits now. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that Oregon should continue to do that or should do that at all. Um, but right now, I mean, looking at Sun Devil source, they have nine guys who have signed their letter intent and five hard commits. So like, not and they already have one transfer. Um, yeah,
1: and actually, Oregon State uses the same uh, strategy really heavily.
0: Yeah. Um, do you see? the ducks like focusing on grad or not even grad transfers, just guys in the transfer portal at all.
1: I think, I mean, my philosophy on it is if you can get one or two immediate contributors, I think that that's uh, cool, you know, I think like a uh, Jawan Johnson was awesome for us yeah. uh, last year, you know, Anthony Brown obviously was huge in this game Friday um yeah that's the other
0: thing it doesn't have to be starters it could just be like insurance guys who you know have experience like
1: playing right exactly um but i think ultimately i i think it's kind of a gimmick and and maybe that's a little too dismissive because it can be a smart strategy for those you know lower level programs who are just looking to attract talent any way possible and maybe that means that they have to be a second stop for a former blue chip guy but for oregon i think. You know, the smart thing to do is always going to be to get those guys on campus fresh out of high school, get the Mm -hmm. most talented guys then and develop them within your program. And maybe you pick up, you know, one or two transfers at places of need um, if the situation you know requires that. But I don't I don't think for someone who's trying to function at the level that Oregon is trying to, that it makes that much sense to, you know, go the leave half my class open and fill it with transfers who were rejects from other programs. Yeah,
0: and I mean, you always, even if you strike gold, like you want three to four years of Joe Burrow, not one to two. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, Real quick though, back on Arizona State, um, there was a, (laughs) this was, I mean, this was not just some Rod Gilmore talk. I really think they're going to be legit next year, and I think next year is finally the year that they'll break through and win the South. If I had to make predictions right now, um, wow. they're starting to recruit really well. They got Herm Edwards and uh, Marvin Lewis on their coaching staff, and a lot of other like NFL guys. So their big thing is like, hey, we're going to get you to the league. Like we're going to, like we understand what it's like to be in the NFL level. Like. Yeah. And what it takes to get you there as a recruit. So I think Arizona State, I think it would be really good for the conference too, obviously if Arizona State can like pick up some more recruits and pick up some more momentum as a program.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. I, I like their strategy too of kind of selling that uh, you know NFL style college program. I think that that's an interesting niche that you know can get it done for them maybe. Um, because, you know, frankly, they just don't have the brand that Oregon or USC, USC does on the West yeah. coast. Um, so they need to, you know, carve out their own niche a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we should probably record a whole other episode where we kind of rehash this PAC 12 season for every program. Cause I'm sure we have a, have a lot of thoughts on a few of them. I think one thing that's been interesting though, is I don't know if you've seen, but almost all these programs are opting out of bowl games. I think Mm -hmm. right now only Oregon and Colorado um, are going to be participating in them.
0: Yeah. Even though every, I think it's what every single team is eligible for bowl games this year, regardless of record. I mean, I know there's some like two win sec teams going to bowl games. I mean, the main I've seen for that is that like players have had to be away from their families all season in order to quarantine. And so like, would you rather go play in like the, you know, Gator bowl or like the famous Idaho potato bowl, or would you rather go home and see your family, be with your family on Christmas? Like, though that's kind of what it boils down to for a lot of these programs. And in that respect, I can totally see why like some of these teams would opt out. Um,
1: Yeah. I I totally get that too. I think it's, it's just an interesting thing. Um, But you know, it makes sense from that perspective obviously um, but you know it hurts the per- it hurts the perception of the conference i think just not to totally. have that visibility i mean for some programs like uh, you know like the huskies what is their impact on the national scene this season cuz it absolutely yeah, zero li- literally one, one loss
0: and you have zero impact on the national scale
1: yeah, because, you know... Other
0: than opting out. <laughs> yeah, and That's there was... Been your impact, is you let us play in the title game.
1: <laughs> right, and there was some optimism from the USC side, of, or I mean, from the Washington side, about what the season could turn into early, and, oh, we're North champs, and da-da-da-da. That's yeah. all going to be an afterthought that no one remembers. At the end of the day, you played four games... You lost one of them, and you're not going to play your three biggest games against Oregon, USC, and your bowl game. Those, I mean, those are the. I, that's the reality is Washington is not a brand that draws eyeballs in and of itself. It's not, not really. at all. They need to be playing us or USC or in a bowl game for people to pay attention to them. And no one did. And that's huge because. People know, obviously, you know, it's documented, Washington really struggled in this recruiting class despite a great in-state talent crop. Well...
0: Producing some of the funniest online content I have consumed in a long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But, like, not getting anything in Jamie Lake's first year with the most talented roster, or, you know, with, with one of the most talented rosters he'll probably have in the next few years. Yeah. Um going forward hurts a lot because, you know, now they have to do the bulk of their recruiting during this off-season period. And if they can't set the groundwork with kids now, then you're looking at another mediocre class come 2022. And then you have two classes back-to-back that aren't that talented. And at that point, when you compare those recruits to the people that Oregon is getting, that gap becomes impossible to make up because then... I mean, you know, you you stack those classes and then Oregon starts winning games versus Washington by 20 points. And then it's really impossible to win those recruiting battles.
0: Yeah, exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and again, like, I always feel funny trashing on UW because, like, I hate them more than any other program that's ever existed. But, like, it benefits us for them to do well in recruiting. Like it benefits that, it right. benefits us for that to be a big game. Um, and, you know, I would rather, you know, it's better to have a, a 2018 win against Washington than like a 20, I mean, choose any number, like 2004 win. I'm assuming that was a blowout against Washington. <laughs> like like yeah. it doesn't, or say like 2010, like it's better yeah. to have that kind of high profile game on your schedule um, it's just that the next step is winning it, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, it, it,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's true. I mean, like you said, it's better if they're good. Um, but, but that's sort of know, the one program in the Pac 12
0: where I'm like, you can just, I don't care.
1: Yeah, they're so <laughs> annoying. It's just like you want to bottom out. Also, like, I just think that they don't realize that anyone who's watched football in the past 20 years has like almost no respect for them.
0: Zero, like, no, not at all.
1: Like even when they were top twenty-five, te- like I forget what year it was, maybe twenty-thirteen or something. Like we played them in Seattle, and they were like yeah, top Game twenty-five day was there. with Bishop yeah. Sankey and stuff. And like yeah, we it was an out. afterthought for me. Like it was yeah. like, oh, yeah, like top twenty-five. Like that's just like a you know, let's swat the fly. Like even last wh- year,
0: I think they were number twenty-five when we played them. Uh, yeah exactly same deal you know
1: last year they actually played well and put up a fight but it was like
0: but yeah when we're operating at the level uh, we expect to you know project ourselves to then yeah and i didn't even feel
1: like we got any respect for that win like i just didn't think i thought people cared when we beat them in 2018 but that's the only time i in my that is Probably literally the only win over Washington in my lifetime that I thought moved the needle for anyone nationally on their perception of the Ducks. Wow. Maybe I mean, 2019.
0: Maybe, maybe their 2016 win against us.
1: Yeah. Moved yeah, it yeah. a little bit just oh, because they spread out the score yeah, yeah, yeah. one time. But, yeah, but games we've won against them, like where, yeah, where like their head on our proverbial mantle has meant anything. <laughs> like it's it's been 2018 and that's basically it maybe 2019
0: wow that's great okay we got to do some sort of i'm getting so many off-season ideas uh during this episode like we need to do some sort of like uh like all-time game recap against like every team in the pack 12 and like our biggest games against them and stuff because like yeah there aren't a lot of big time games against yeah. U-Dub in our lifetimes. I mean, it used to be a big deal um, back in like when my parents were in school because like then U-Dub was like the perennial power and, you know, Don James and all right, that stuff. Right, totally.
1: And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously. I think that's interesting. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that idea of like head on the mantle that I said, like I think – that's it's funny to look at big games through that perspective. Like, what were the biggest statement wins by Oregon? Not just that were like fun games. Like, I know we talk about um, two thousand nine Arizona a lot. Like, that's a game yeah. I'd love to rewatch. That was super cool. But that's like very much not a head on the mantle game. I don't think people yeah. really like. We're like, oh, you beat uh, you know Stoops Arizona team. Um,
0: hey man. Uh, uh, Big Dick Nick Foles was on that team, so right. I, yeah, and, and maybe they it if they knew Gronk that. Was on yeah, it, Gronk was, was on that team. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: um, but you know, yeah, I think that's that's interesting too. Wow, we gotta um, we gotta write down all these ideas because there are a lot of good ones.
0: Yeah, for real, uh, Paul. If you edit this, you gotta like, you know, take notes. Um, <laughs> speaking of, if you have listened to this whole thing by now, uh, thank you. I've had a lot of fun. This is. Probably one of the better episodes we've done top to bottom just in yeah, terms just of Yeah, just because like, we're
1: in such a good mood.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Breath and depth today. Um, so I don't know about you, but I'm going to go uh, dust my proverbial mantelpiece. Um, <laughs> I, I will see you on the flip side. So let's let's talk about this. We're probably going to do Iowa State Preview in the next few days. Maybe delay it a little bit because, I mean, we got time uh also christmas is in five days like i don't yeah. know when that happens Crazy. so yeah, yeah we'll, we'll for... figure
1: it out yeah who knows if we'll do State preview immediately or just talk i don't know we'll figure something out but yeah we'll have more episodes soon and thanks everybody for listening
0: yep go ducks
1: go ducks